بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم يا عظيم السلطان يا قديم الإحسان يا دائم النعم يا كثير الجود يا واسع العطاء يا خفي اللطف يا جميل السنع يا حليم الأجل صل يا ربي على سيدنا محمد وآله وسلم ورضان الصحابة أجمعين اللهم لك الحمد والشكر ولك المن فضلا وأنت ربنا حقا ونحن عبيدك رقا وأنت لم تزل لذلك أهلا يا ميسر كل عسير ويا جابر كل كسير ويا صاحب كل فريد يا مغني كل فقير ويا مأمن كل مخيف ويا مقوي كل ضعيف ويا مأمن كل مخيف يسر علينا كل عسير فتيسير العسير عليك يسير اللهم يا من لا يحتاج للبيان تفسير حاجاتنا كثير وأنت عالم بها وخبير اللهم إني أخاف منك وأخاف ممن يخاف منك وأخاف ممن لا يخاف منك اللهم بحق من يخاف منك نجنا ممن لا يخاف منك اللهم بحق محمد أحرسنا بعينك التي لا تنام وكنفنا بكنفك الذي لا يرام وارحمنا بقدرتك علينا فلا نهلك وأنت اتقتنا ورجاؤنا وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم الحمد لله رب العالمين عدد خلقه ورضا نفسه وزنة عرشه ومداد كلماته اللهم إنا نسألك زيادة في الدين وبركة في العمر وسعه في الجسد وسعه في الرزق وتبدأ قبل الموت شهد عند الموت مغفرة بعد الموت وعفو عند الحساب وأمان من الأذام ونصيبا من الجنة ورزقنا النظر إلى وجهك الكريم وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين عدد خلقه ورضا نفسه وزنة عرشه وميداد كلماته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم everyone and welcome to the nothing but facts live stream uh, because we're not interested here in anything except facts and truth uh, so if you bring nonsense like uh, what Muslims advocates has brought us today then you're liable to get shut down Muslim advocates what is wrong with these people seriously what's wrong with this organization if anyone knows someone text them Look, what are you doing no, alright listen today's thing is this Noor a queer Pakistani Muslim woman why would you choose a Pakistani and offend all the Pakistanis here uh, brings her Puerto Rican partner Luz to a family Christmas Eve game night. Like, are they trying to just bother us with all these things, right? So they're celebrating Christmas, but she's, she's a Pakistani Muslim woman who celebrates Christmas, which is, um, I mean, I would think that that's what they taught us in Sunday school to celebrate the uh, uh, other religions holidays, uh, only to realize that her sisters have no intention of letting the night's proceedings go. I'm very proud of Muslim advocates because I'm sure they're, they're advocating for the sisters here, right? Who want to do forbid wrong here. And you should see the comments, all right? You should see the comments. Muzammil <laughs> Ahmed, oh. oh my God. Oh my goodness. Uh, anyway. They just it, just, it just gives me some comfort to realize that most Muslims out there have some common sense. 
and uh, <laughs> and the comments uh the, it's reassuring to realize okay i'm i'm not the only one right but i try to have husnadhan i guess muslim advocates they're advocating for uh the sisters they got to be advocating for the sisters who are forbidding wrong here all right this families are something's wrong with our family here where uh we're doing zina and celebrating you know some other religions holidays on the same night so we got issues here okay uh we also have issues with why our camera's crooked but i'm not going to get up again so here we go we move on to some facts instead of this nonsense and let's go to the obligation of obedience oh what what a what a coincidence subhanallah the obligation of obeying the Messenger of Allah. And that's the chapter that we're on today. The obligation of obeying the Prophet Wasallam. Okay. The third right of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam is the right of obedience. Now, obedience is a logical right if you're consistent with the first two. First one, he said, is pure love of the Prophet Wasallam, And we said that love of the Prophet, peace be upon him, is rational or, and, it, and it's natural. The rational love is that you know that he deserves your obedience first before anybody else. And we could all do that. And that with my actions, with my tongue, with the things that I can control, I'm going to give the Prophet ﷺ, uh, his, his rights first. Now what do I don't control is natural love. That natural feeling of love. And that natural feeling of love, you may think, how are you supposed to love someone from 1400 years ago? The message of Allah وسلم, being the beloved of Allah is very simple that Allah Ta'ala places the love of the Prophet وسلم, in the hearts of the mu'mineen. It's something that's not natural. Natural being like common cause and effect. You like you love your spouse. You love if you have a beautiful son and he 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 doesn't give you a hard time, you're naturally gonna love him. If you had an an, an unsightly son and he gives you a hard time, you're naturally not gonna like him. That's that's like the cause and effect type of love. But the love of the Messenger, وسلم, it's, it's not natural. It's not normal cause and effect. It's something that Allah Ta'ala brings down into the hearts. Likewise, I talked about this regarding marriage. If you look closely to Allah's saying about Surat An-Nur, and He says that, um, uh, in, for pious husband and wife, what does Allah do? Allah says, He places in your hearts mawadda, which is a very intimate love, and rahma and mercy. He places it into your hearts. Okay? That's the difference. So, this is why in, in, a, in, a, in a marriage, if both sides have taqwa and understand the deen and practice it properly, they don't have to worry about working on this relationship, as many people do. Of course, you do have to put in some efforts, right? But, we rely on Allah Ta'ala. Once we put the efforts in, we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will put the mahabba in the hearts of people. Okay? So that's how we, people can be married for years. They didn't even know each other very well. When they got married, they get along perfectly. Okay? So, in the same way, the love of the messenger, the natural love of the Prophet, is not a natural thing, a regular cause and effect. It's Rabbani. It's a divine thing which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places in the hearts of those whom He wants. How does He do so? When He sees your efforts in following the Prophet, loving Him, making salah and salam upon Him. How does He do this? He does this is very slowly through the readings, through the dhikr, and sometimes, in the greatest form, 
through dreams of the Prophet ﷺ to the point that people, the dream is so sweet, it's, it's sweeter than anything you've ever experienced before. It's way sweeter than anything physical and you know it's from Allah and you know it's, it's, it, it makes you feel so secure, right? Because that's what, it's pleasing to Allah. And therefore you start thinking all day and, and every day, what would please the Prophet? What would the Prophet ﷺ do? So that's why he began with love. Because also, rationally, or logically, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Sayyidina Khadija, Sayyidina Ali, the first three converts. It's actually Sayyidina Khadija is the very first one, and Sayyidina Ali, and then Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. Okay? First woman, first child, first man. They all had a great love for the Prophet ﷺ before they, believed, they, they even knew he was Rasul. So love, it actually precedes that. So that's why uh, it makes sense for the author to put love first and then belief. When we said we believe in the Prophet ﷺ, then we clear the slate of all assumptions. We clear the slate of all of our assumptions. And we turn to, and what we allow the Prophet ﷺ to, to fill our plate with what he, he brought us from the Qur'an and from his hadith. Right. Prophet Sallallahu said, I, I have come with the Qur'an and something like it with it, which is the explanation of the Qur'an and the details of the Qur'an. Okay? And certain things that are not in the Qur'an. Zakat al-Fitr, for example, is not in the Qur'an. Zakat al-Fitr. Right? So, uh, we clear our plate. We clear our plate from... Now, everyone today is so political, unfortunately. Right? And these political views, you cannot be political without being moral. Right? All politics is what's good and what's bad. Essentially, that's what you're going for. Of course, there's forget the power side of things, but political theory is all based on bringing the good and avoiding the bad, right? For the society, you can't escape morality from that. So there's going to be right wing morals, left wing morals, all right. And we clear the slate of both of them. Neither are we with the right wing with their lunacy and, and conspiracy theories, that according to how I see it, nor with the left wing with their emotions and 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 illo- lack of logic and and denial of observed realities and logical realities, right? So we're not going to be either one. Clear the slate and let the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam shape our souls. Okay, who else? Who you're going to shape it better than the Messenger, peace be upon him? He says, None of you truly believe until his whim, his desire, what he naturally loves and hates, is in accord with what I have brought. All right. Okay. Uh, the stream hasn't cut off. It may be just uh, people's different... Um, the Wi-Fi here is excellent, so maybe just people's different uh, uh, devices at home. So now that if you truly love the Prophet, you're going to have firm belief. Love feeds belief. If you ever feel that someone's not really committed to something, someone's hesitant about something, it's they don't love it. Simple as that. That's why they're not putting the effort. But once you love and once you believe, you, unless you're crazy, you must obey. It's as simple as that. If you truly love something and you truly believe in it, your body must, it must follow. The body will follow, guaranteed. And that's why the third thing here, and, uh, and we ask these people who are the, uh, the activists, uh, these types of activists, I don't know why they keep repeating these left-wing talking points uh, with no creativity, just copy-paste, right? Uh, whatever left wing is going on, and there are some Muslims do the right wing, right? And we were against both. But uh, the obligation of obedience, if it's weak, that means the love is weak. Means the belief is weak, means the love is weak. It's a, it's, it's a domino effect. So he says here, 
the obedience of our of our beliefs because we can make decisions on what we believe believing is different from feeling we can decide what we believe and our tongues and our bodies to be in accord with what the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam bought and this is how we're going to be safe in life if we I can't always control my whims and my hearts i can't right you you may love something and allah says you may love it as bad for you you may hate something it's good for you fine we accept that but what you say what you do and what you take as your principled belief your position on something is all within our control right and we got to make sure that it's in accord with the blessed sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi how are we going to do that well what are we doing here constant non-stop reading of al-kutub al-nabawiyyah sayyid muhammad ali al-maliki calls these al-kutub al-nabawiyyah all the books related to the prophet sayyid al-imam al-haddad what was his majlis his majlis was reading from the books of the sunnah reading from the hadith all right from the first book of the sunnah like muatta imam malik and then all the way through to the point that he said that he had there's not a, there was not a single hadith book in the country of Yemen except that he tracked it down as soon as he learned about it, got himself a copy, and read it. And acted upon every single hadith at least one time, except for one sunnah, which he said that in his time, the people did not deem that as it wasn't something that men do. So he said, I'm going to do it once again at the end of my life, which is grow his hair to his uh, shoulders. And he did at the end of his life. Okay. So when you look at the Sahaba... There's a difference between the Sahaba's obedience to the Prophet ﷺ and oftentimes the weaker believers' uh, obedience to the Prophet ﷺ. And we want to try to be as much as with the Sahaba ﷺ. Now, the, 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 the deen for the Sahaba was whatever the Prophet ﷺ does, we do. Whatever the Prophet loves, we love. Whatever the Prophet says, we follow. Okay. Then came the books of Islamic law because you had to separate certain things. We had to look at certain things that the Sahaba, they did everything. Well, what if I'm not able to do everything? What if I'm weak? So the scholars of Islamic law, they did us a favor and they separated between all the things the Prophet did between what is fard, what's obligatory, what is a, conf a strong sunnah, what is a light sunnah. Now, the Maliki Madhab, for example, they say Sunnah Mu'akkada and Nafila. The Hanafi Madhab may say Sunnah Mu'akkada right, and Nafila as well. I think they have the same terminology. They may differ on what's what. Same terminology. Sometimes you see, uh, right? Uh, so, Sunnah Mu'akkada, Sunnah Mu'akkada or Nafila, light Sunnah, you can say, a light Sunnah. Then Fadila, third level, is now Fadila, okay? Or fourth level, I'm sorry. Fadila, something very lightly virtuous. For example, the right way to sit in the salah. Okay? The number of dates to eat. Things like that. They could be like fadila. Alright? It's a light sunnah. Very light. And then, adat. The Prophet has adat. Aada is a custom. Okay? Something that he's accustomed to doing. That doesn't necessarily, he never made it a religious reward. For example, what is a sunnah that is a very strong sunnah is the miswak. But what tree to use as the miswak is a'ada. Because you might not have that tree in your country. 
You might not have tree at all, so you use a toothbrush. The, 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 the brushing of the cleaning to make sure your, your mouth is always clean is a strong sunnah, but what do you use for that is a light, is, is a ada, it's a habit. Now these things are not necessarily specifically uh, rewarded when you do them. However, what's rewarded is the love of it. So if I, see, if I learn the Prophet ﷺ used to wear a shirt down to his knee and then the wrap, right? The towel, like the, the, uh, the sarong, the sarong or what do they call it in Urdu? Um, I forgot what they call it in Urdu, but the, the, the wrap, essentially, okay? Around the waist. That was the clothes of the Prophet ﷺ. And then leather sandals, and then a turban, and then he would wear a burda, which is like a cloth, and that was a multi-purpose cloth. Right, the, you put it over your back. You can, when you sleep, you lay on it. If you sit down, you put it down and you sit on it. Right, so it's a multi-purpose type of, of of cloak, which is just usually a rectangle. And sometimes it was like more garment-like, but sometimes just a pure big rectangle. Okay. So those things, if there's not necessarily sunnah, but the, if you do it out of love, then you're rewarded with hal jazaul ihsani ila ihsan. You, there's no specific reward for it, but if you do it out of the love of the Prophet, then inshallah you'll get returned back the love of the Prophet Sallallahu Okay? Uh, because you're not going to take any step towards the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, except that Allah will ensure that you get something back. Right? So if I did something... Now, if someone came to you and said, listen, I, 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 I imitate you. I, I wear the same clothes that you do, right? Because I love you. Would it, it, it wouldn't be appropriate for you to love them back. Right? If you were to ignore them, and ignore that, or I'm not paying you for that, there's no specific reward for that, but you still love them. So, uh, but you got to give them something back, so you love them back, right? So that's the same thing. So this is where, when we obey the Messenger, our obedience to him, the greatest obedience to the Messenger, is obedience of Allah. Follow the Sharia, right? Look at what is the law, and don't change it. Believe what should be believed. And then you break up the sunnah into these categories. Again, let me repeat them. The obligatory, the, con the confirmed, strongly confirmed sunnah, the light sunnah, the fadila, fadila, just a virtuous act, a very, very lightly virtuous act. And then uh, the, uh, the, the, the customs of the Prophet. Like that he, for example, he used to like to eat cucumbers and dates together. Okay? He used to like watermelon. He used to like squash. Okay, so what what is the difference between a very strong sunnah and a, and a and the light sunnah? Is the strong sunnah is something the prophet used to always do. He never didn't do do it except once or twice just to show us that it's a sunnah not a fard. What's the next level down? The light sunnah is that which the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he did it sometimes like fifty fifty or sometimes you know he was seen doing it but not all the time. And then what is the fadila? The fadila is usually how the Prophet did something or something pertaining to the habits of life. How he would sit down, that he would sit on the floor, right? Or that um, he would eat with three hands, three, uh, three fingers, usually, okay? Uh, things like that. The, the how he did something or the customs of life. Like how did he stand in salah, okay? Uh, how did he um, sit in salah? How did he move his finger? The how or the customs of life. We put that in the category of the fada'il, the virtues. And then lastly is the complete adat, things that were not connected to ibadah in any way whatsoever. All right. So that is the, uh, 
section on the obligation of obeying the Prophet So we covered love, firm belief, obedience. Now let's take a look at how the Prophet um, uh, let's take a look at an example of the of the obedience of the Prophet On one occasion, Sayyidina Rasulullah ascended to, on the mimbar and instructed the Sahaba to sit down. He got up and he instructed the Sahaba to sit down like a community announcement. And everyone sat down. At that moment, Abdullah bin Mas'ud was outside the masjid. However, when he heard the Prophet he immediately sat wherever he was. Right? He didn't even enter the mosque. Even though you may all understand and we might say, oh, what the Prophet means is come and listen to my announcement. That's the meaning. When I say, hey everyone, everyone sit down. It means everyone pay attention. So that means if you're far away, how are you going to pay attention if you can't hear? So he came in. But Abdullah bin Mas'ud, to show us that they took the Prophet's word this seriously, okay, and that they did not like to interpret much of the Prophet's words, he sat down immediately. Okay. The Sahaba always kept, you know, the exact word of the Prophet ﷺ, exactly how he said to do it, to do it. Abdullah bin Umar and Sayyidah Aisha, they had two different, it's very interesting, different approaches. Sayyidah Aisha took the rational approach. She said, look at what the Prophet meant, or what was the reason for it. Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar, he was to do it exactly. For example, Sayyidah at one time, there was a, an area where the Prophet ﷺ uh, was walking, and Abdullah bin Umar went after the death of the Messenger the passing of the Messenger and Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar took a lap, like with his, with his horse, he took a circle, and then he kept going. And they were all on the way to Umrah or Hajj. Sayyidina Isha said, why did you do that? Why did you just go in a circle like that? He said, because I remember when I was with the Messenger of Allah, he did that. Sayyidina Isha said, no, that's just because he was going to do something, then changed his mind, right? Abdullah bin Umar said, I don't care. If I saw the Messenger doing it, I'd do it. Right? So you see how they have two different approaches to things. Right? One was looked at exactly what the Prophet said, they did. And the other, what was, what was the purpose of it? Because both of them are from the, uh, uh, both of them are, are important. The form and the function. And sometimes the form and function have to split in our times. For example, someone once said, oh, you don't always wear the sunnah clothes, he said to somebody. Well, the person responded, well, sometimes the sunnah is not to look different from people, right? That's also one of the sunnah. So, and so sometimes, the, if you dress in the way the Prophet dressed, in certain circumstances, you're going to stick out. And people may look at you and point their fingers and, oh, mashallah, look how pious you are. And that's not good for you, right? You become like sort of famous uh, in that respect, right? That you're more pious than everybody else. Or you may get that image or they may get that image. So... There's also the sunnah that the Prophet looked like other people. That a man came in the room who did not, never met the Prophet and he didn't know who the Prophet was. Alright? So he never looked the same. So there, that's also a sunnah. So sometimes the form and the purpose of the sunnah, they separate in certain cultures. Alright? And then we're going to do this and we're going to look at this uh, a bit later because we're, actually let's just do it now and we can add to it later on. The fourth obligation towards the Messenger, peace be upon him, is As-Salah was salam alayh. Because the Qur'an has ordered us to do that and the Prophet ﷺ promised us a complete er- erasing of all of our humum and ghumum. 
our, our anxieties and concerns. The least of which is to say Allahumma salli alayhi to using the pronoun because the Quran itself uses the pronoun. Make salah upon him. And therefore, Allahumma salli alayhi is the simplest and least salah on the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Okay. Who is the closest people to the Prophet Sallallahu on the Qiyamah? Is those who recite the most salah and salam upon me. If you really want to sweet, if, if so, you know, so many people say, the deen today, it's like holding a hot coal. All right? And that's true. Because the, when the whole world around you is talking nonsense, like some of this, uh, what I just talked about earlier on in the, in, the, in, 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 in the stream, then you feel always feel like you're going against the tide. Well, you shouldn't. Salah and salam upon the Prophet is like pouring cool water on that coal. All of a sudden, everything of the deen tastes sweet, Feel sweet, and you desire nothing other than to go down the path of the Messenger. No one else matters. None of these trends, these trends are not going to benefit you, right? Ask anyone who's 30 today or 40 today, tell him, following the trends of the 90s when you were a teenager, did it benefit you? They're going to say, that was a complete waste of time. It was only beneficial in that, okay, I was aware of them, so I wasn't like weird amongst my friends. That was it, amongst my peers. That's it. They had no benefit. These trends and things, um, will not will not last you long, so don't spend too much time on them. Okay, especially Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Okay, I've said this many times. It's narrated by Ibn Qayyim al Jazeera, not narrated, but he says it in his book, and he cites Abdullah ibn Mas'ud on Friday. Send. Do not let Friday go by without sending one thousand salawat on the Messenger. We talked about this the other day. Is it a bid'ah to put a number? The answer is yes and no. Number one. It is a bid'ah if you believe that that number has some spe speciality to it. But it is not a bid'ah if you're merely using it for al-ma'una al al or, or uh, i'anat al-muwadhaba. That's the phrase. I'anat al-muwadhaba. To help you be consistent. Right? To help you be consistent. I mean, someone says, right, I'm going to do 200 push-ups a day. It's a do, do push-ups. Okay, what do I do? Do 5, 10, 200? No, okay, you're new at this, or just give me 20 push-ups a day. And then he comes later, give me 30 push-ups a day. So he gives them something, a schedule. Is there anything that we do in life that doesn't have a schedule? We change your car oil every 3,000 miles or 5,000 miles. There's a schedule. Everything has a schedule. So if it is only out of i'anatil muwadhaba, then that's fine. To help you stay consistent and be organized, then there's nothing wrong with that. And that's the opinion that I hold, feel is commonsensical because it, we apply it in everything else. If you go to an Islamic school, like a madrasa or a school where they're actually teaching you the deen, they're going to say, we study fiqh uh, Monday through Thursday from 9 in the morning to 10 in the morning. And then we study tajweed from 10 to 11. And then we study lugha from, well, who said put these numbers? Why is all of a sudden that's okay to put numbers and minutes to that? But when it comes to ibadah, we don't. So, but it is very important to say, the only number that's sacred is the number given to us by Rasulullah. It has a barakah to it. That number is special. If he says, say subhanAllah 33 times, don't say 34 or 32. Say 33, exactly what he says. So that we agree with them 100% that the only barakah comes in the number that Rasulullah gave. Okay? Everything else is going to be just to help you uh, uh, for, uh, from consistency. And for that reason, you find a thousand salawats a day as a habit. You see it all throughout the ages that can you salli ala Rasulullah sallallahu alfan. You see it in so many books all the way until today that a thousand salawats on the Prophet a day. 
is something that, or a juz a day of Quran, or a hizb a day of Quran. A hizb is half a juz. Okay? And that even has Sanad with the Prophet ﷺ who says, cannot one of you complete the Quran in a month? Right? Which is 30 days. That's why they have 30 juz. All right, so let's stop here and let's go to question and answer, and we will uh, pick this up ta'ala, um, t- tomorrow. We have another streaming tomorrow. We're back with this streams. I missed this so much. And by the way, classes are starting this September uh, Sunday. All right, you go to uh, safinasidi.org for classes. Uh, let's put it in here. All classes uh, begin Sunday. And I see you, a lot of these names here signing up for the classes because this is Wav, uh, and it's, it's very nice and everything that, but to be a student of knowledge, okay, to be a student of knowledge involves, uh, it involves organizing your knowledge, studying the sources of knowledge, right? Um, Knowing the curriculum of a student of knowledge, and you get you're building yourself brick by brick, and that's what Arcview is trying to take everyone to. All right, let's take questions here, starting from the bottom. Nafis Hamid, did this stream cut off? It shouldn't cut off, it should just maybe it's your thing, but we are a little bit crooked. Uh, unfortunately, that or I should say the camera is a bit crooked, inshallah, we're not crooked. Um, uh, Kareem ibn Skandar says, Assalamu alaikum. I have dreams that I'm praying in a masjid quite often. Allahu Akbar. May Allah bless you and may keep you on the straight path. It means that there's something very good that you're doing that you should keep doing. Right? I'm not advertising myself as a dream interpreter, but this is sort of like the ABCs of dream interpretation is that ibadah in the mosque is one of the kulliyats. Kulliyats means always. It's always good. Right? It's always good as long as it's a sound masjid. For example, it's not masjid of, if you see yourself praying in the masjid of, let's say, the uh, Qadianis, that you're doing something wrong in your deen. If you're facing the wrong qiblas, there's something wrong in your deen. If you're praying incorrectly, there's something wrong in your ibadah. But if you're in a regular masjid, making regular salah, facing the qibla, then that is always a good dream. That means something that this brother is doing is very good and he should keep doing it. Okay. Uh, Mahmouda says, May Allah be pleased with the family and Sahaba. I agree 100%. I mean, okay, let's see what else we have here. Oops, I actually wrote my own website wrong. That's okay. Does uh, thank you Nafis for correcting that. Does Darud reciter given this maqam in this world free from anxiety and depression state? It will happen as a guarantee. You will be freed from those things as a guarantee from the Prophet. Sanam Hussein says So when doing Tisbih after Salah, I usually just read a rough number. No, don't read a rough number. Here's Imam al Haddad says if the Prophet gives a round number such as one hundred or seventy is a seventy is a symbolic number for the Arabs meaning a lot then you do a lot. That's what it just means, a lot. But if he gives a precise number, like 33, then make sure it's exactly 33. Not, not 32, not 34. I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, Sayyid Anas Aslam, he says, do you ever collaborated with Sheikh Hamza Yusuf? Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, I owe him the shukr and the gratitude that the, the basic framework of 
what a lot of us is came from Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. He's the one who taught us, for example, the importance of da'wah, the importance of the senad in seeking knowledge, and he introduced us to tasawwuf of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Right? Because that's what we're all about tasawwuf of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Right? Uh, okay. Next question Muhammad Munir. Is it 33, 33, 33, or 33, 33, 34? Alright, excellent question. After Salah, it's 33, 33, 33, and then La ilaha illallah to the end of that. Before sleeping, it's 33, 33, 34. Okay, that's the, the narration of 34 is before you sleep. Okay. Muhammad Arif says, what is the meaning of kasb in Islam related to human deeds? It means that Allah creates all actions. This action right here that I just did is a creation of Allah. But the intent to do it is our earning. We, earn, we may earn the intent to do it. That's what it is. Okay? All right, folks. Reminder again for classes. And we will uh, stop here for our, uh, uh, our, our, our podcast or our live stream. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله And as always, there are always injury time questions Ruman ibn al-Khair uh, Is there a blessing in odd numbers? Yes, when the Prophet did something he would do in an odd number uh, When Sanam says, when are more podcasts coming out? It should be today or tomorrow the podcast is coming out in which we talked about uh, Tasawwuf. And then we sort of went, we were so serious in this podcast for an hour and then like the dam broke and uh, we just talked about the cuisines of the Muslims uh, uh, for about, uh, Muslim countries for like half an hour. Um, so it's called Food for the Soul for that reason. Uh, Amr Ibrahim, are there any reports from Sayyidina Ali that or other Sahaba that Quran teaches to wipe our feet in wudu. No. The wiping of the feet in wudu is an action of the Shia. We all, the Ahl Madahib of Ahl Sunnah, we wash our feet. What's the difference? Wiping is you take your wet hand and you wipe. Washing means you have to, the water has to run over the limb and while rubbing. That's the meaning of washing. All right, folks, thank you all very much. And again, as always, this will be, inshallah, uh, put on SoundCloud and on YouTube. Maybe it takes an hour or so uh, wait time, but it will be up there. Jazakum Allah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.